thankful for the prayer that Brother Dwayne offered and would ask that you would continue to pray. I told over in the Gospel of Luke that you and I are very able and very often giving our kids gifts. If we being evil then would just, how much more would the Heavenly Father give us the Spirit if we just ask? We need God's Spirit. We need it today. We need it every day. We need it for worship that we might worship Him and Spirit and truth. So <clears throat> I thank the Lord for the song service and for his blessings upon us this past year and hopefully this coming year. As most of you know, the times that <clears throat> we're living in, at least in my lifetime, are very much, are very different. Uh, not so much in the history of God's word are they different, but in the visible life of 60 plus years that I live, things are, are what you might say more on edge, more concerning. I don't know what words you might use, but in reality, it's uh, we're kind of at a crossroads in this country, and it, it is a concern, but God's still up on the throne. He still rules and reigns from heaven, and that's, that's who we need to put our trust in. <clears throat> but as this has happened, not only in the times in which we live, but in past times, but one thing I'd like to mention, it's no accident that we are where we are. It's not an accident. God didn't cause it, but it's something that has happened time and time again throughout history. If you don't believe that, go read Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and it'll tell you that what's happening today is something that has already happened in the past. And what Somebody might say, well, we got cars now. They, they had donkeys back then. That's not what the Word of God's talking about. It's talking about the heart of man, the way man thinks. That, that hadn't changed. It's no different today than it was when they were walking everywhere they went. When they didn't have the uh, prosperous things, the nice and comfortable things that we have in life. I think we've all gotten there the same way. And each and every time you'll find that what a country evolves into really can be set back or drawn back to uh, backsliding, you might say, or a departure from God. God's people turn away. And I think there's something that we need to understand that uh, hopefully if the Lord would bless this morning, I'm going to quote some verses that I've quoted, quoted often in the last several months, but try to look at them in a little more detail. I want to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read uh, verse 3 and verse 4. But we're going to look at verse 3 for just one moment and try to set the stage for what I'm talking about. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Think about that for just a minute. First of all, Paul, in his address to the church at Corinth, he tells us right here and now, that there's something going on in your natural life. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, you and I are walking in the flesh. All of God's people from some point in time in their lives walked in the flesh. That's this natural life. You know, we love grace, and we love talking about that life which is to come. But what bothers us and distresses us and gives us trouble in, is the life that we now live. Everything's going to be okay when we close our eyes and go home to be with the Lord. You know that? Everything. 
But the problem is that exists in our lives is in the life that we now live right now. However long this, this fleshly life is and this walk is. Furthermore, it says, for though we walk. That's talking about our journey. Every one of us have a journey from the time you're born until you pass from this life and go home to be with the Lord. When you close your eyes on the earth, they immediately open in the presence of Jesus Christ. God has given us this spirit and it immediately takes flight upon the, a corporal death of this body. And so we're with the Lord at that time and these things pass. But the troubles and the difficulties we face in life are in the life that we now live. Because we're going to, in heaven, life is going to be perfect. And, and, you know, that's why I wish the Lord had come back tomorrow. But any of us who are honest with ourselves will tell us or are, are aware of some tremendous problems facing the people of God in the United States, not just here, but in this country. That's where we live, and that's what we're going to kind of talk about this morning. Why did we get there? It says, for though we walk, in the flesh, or yeah, in the flesh, we're in the flesh. We're not, uh, even if the, the Spirit of God dwells in you, in you, we're still walking in this natural fleshly body. It says, we do not war after the flesh. That tells me there's a war going on. And we're going to find out that this war is a war that goes on in your life every day. From the time you're born, you may not recognize it when you're my grandkids' age, by all means, but... It's a war that exists out here that goes on every day. Now, we have heard about wars. We've read about wars. We, if you're like me, uh, in the, and, and you've lived in this time of great communication, TVs and internets and all these things, I grew up seeing the news give pictures of wars that were fought, conventional wars that were fought all my life, Vietnam, now, I didn't see anything on World War II because that was a little before my time, but there's some here that did. We know there was World War I, the Korean War, the Iraq invasion. I mean, these wars were, were real. They were conventional wars fought with guns and tanks and aircraft and the things that we know to be conventional. Yet the war that is under, under consideration here says it's not after the flesh. And I, I really think some of us as God's children don't understand that this war is just as problematic for us as a war being fought on a foreign land. You know, we, we think we're not there and, and hopefully our, our soldiers will go out and, and they will win and maintain our freedom. But this war is not after the flesh. There's wars going on in, in according to the Bible. Let's notice what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18, it says, This charge I commit unto thee, Timothy, or commit unto thee, son, Timothy. Now, Timothy was not Paul's natural born son, but he was his son in the ministry. And it says, and, and he was charging this, this. You know, when you have a charge from one minister to the other, that's how we do it in the Primitive Baptist Church. But I'm going to tell you, this is a charge from God to all his children. According to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. My whole point in this scripture is, are we fighting a good war? Are we admitting there's a real warfare out there and that warfare is taking place in your life? There's not a one of us immune and exempt from that war. It's real. 
I think that's the problem that most people don't get. The war is real because they can't see it with their naked eyes in, in some sense. They don't realize that they need to be prepared, and we're going to look at that as we go along, Lord willing, for the war that's taking place every day in their life. But it's not a conventional war. It's not one you'll see on TV, per se. It's not after the flesh. We know that because it says in the next verse, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, it says, No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. Boy, this is an interesting verse right here if you really give it thought. What is it that disrupts our, our battle? What is it that disrupts us from seeing the enemy and the enemy is Satan and it's his soldiers, the wicked? What, what deters us from seeing that? We get entangled in, in the things of this life, do we not? And we lose focus and we lose sight. I'm telling you, this warfare is not one that just takes place ever month or two or once a year. This is an ongoing battle in an ongoing war that's not after the flesh, but it's every day in your life. Do you wake up every morning prepared to go to battle? That's what we're going to look at. The weapons that we're going to look at are, are, are not tanks and planes and grenades and bazookas and all the things that we're familiar with in our life and time. And they had swords and shields and and other things back before the bullets and, and the guns came out, I mean, they've always had some type of instruments, natural instruments of war. But he says, No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Every one of us, if we're God's children, born of the Spirit of God, are a soldier in the Lord Jesus Christ's army. And... We need to be prepared every day to fight. You know, it says that we war not after the flesh. That is so true. Notice what Ephesians chapter 6, I've quoted this numerous times. It says in verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Paul said, though we walk after the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We're walking and journeying here in this life, and there's a war going on, but it's not a fleshly war. Do you recognize the enemy that stands in your presence every day you get up? It, it, it's, it's, he's there. Whether you fight back or defend yourself, if, if it would, and we'll look at that, has no bearing on the enemy, our adversary, in stopping his attacks and his launch upon you and God's people wherever they might be telling you here today that, that Satan's real. He's not some fictitious thing that you brewed up in your mind or that I brewed up. He's real, and he's there. Now, I don't see him with my eyes, but we see his works, do we not? And in the day in which we're living, we, we see his works in a mighty way. You know, there's been an ongoing war uh, like we're talking about, a war that's not after the flesh that has been going on throughout all time. That is a war that is between good and evil, light and darkness, righteousness and unrighteousness, between truth and lies. And friends, we're in the army to defend ourselves and actually not to only do that but to, to attack it. Do you know that God didn't put us in a place 
of retreat. When you talk about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's talked about in an offensive way, not in a defensive way of, of retreating. I think many of God's people have retreated because they have not been prepared to face the enemy every day of their life. We're not to retreat. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, we were told, Jesus told Peter, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not Peter, the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He didn't say, put on what you got, stand back. He didn't say, go get in a bomb shelter. You know, you've seen people get in a bomb shelter in past years to keep from getting blown up. People build shelters and houses today that are above ground to keep get, from getting away, blown away by a tornado. That, that's not the defensive position, or that's not the position that God intended for his army, his soldiers to take. It's just not. It wasn't to back off and try to put, put yourself in a place where you didn't have to, to deal with the circumstances that come into your life every day. Every day. Now, if you don't believe there's a war... Let's, let's notice the language in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 7. And I'm not going to read all these verses. If you, if you read this, there's no question that uh, it's speaking of Satan. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Now we know for a fact that he has not the power, as it was told Job, to take Job's life, his eternal life. He's he not going to take yours. But here it says he's been given power to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. That, that tells me that, that Satan has the ability to strike any of God's children, no matter what tribe they come out of, no matter what language they speak, no matter what continent they live upon, what country they live in. Satan runs to and fro through the earth. We, we see that in the Bible. I mean, he, he's everywhere. He knows. He, he is our adversary, and he's a real enemy. Like I said, we here in this country did not get to this place, even from the times that I was a kid, by accident. We didn't. Satan has never stopped, uh, you know, coming after us, fighting with us. Even if we don't realize it, he's done it. He has done it. We talk about evil. I, I think about... Over in Isaiah chapter 5. Now, in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, we want to read about, I believe, a time where God's people had retreated to the extent they were no longer fighting as soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were no more, they'd gotten to a point that the warfare was not even understandable to them. Notice what the condition of these people was said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Let me ask you, do you believe by any means that we're in that day today? I do. What does it mean to say call evil good and good evil? Well, first thing you've got to recognize, there's only one place for truth, and that's right here in God's Word. If God said it, it's so. If man said it, it has to measure up to God's Word or it's not so. We know what God said about homosexuality, and I'm just going to be blunt about it. That's what, we know what he said. We know the, the gender problems we have, but in Genesis chapter 1, it said that he made them male and female. He made them man and woman. Place is closed. 
But we live in a time where people say that that's okay. That's all right. It hasn't changed with God. Man has taken that and changed. They have slid back so far, and they did in this time. You see, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said. God's people got in that very condition. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. These things that we speak of, and evil and good, light and darkness, all these things are opposites. They don't attract. They're on a complete opposite realm. And that goes for truth and lies. We're told in 14th chapter of John and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. We're told in John chapter 1 that he was full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is truth, and what he speaks is truth. And that is something that you can count on above all things. And about all the matters that take place in this life, Jesus' truth will always stand. Whether you listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you read about the Lord Jesus Christ, it will never change his truth. You can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. You, you can't change it. You can disobey it. You can dishonor it, but you can never change the truth. The truth will always reveal lies. It will set you free. You know, over in John chapter 8, and I'm just uh, kind of ad-libbing here and telling you what it said. It says over in John chapter 8, Satan, or the devil, was the father of lies. And he was a liar from the beginning. God was truth from the beginning. Satan was a lie from the beginning. It was given unto Satan to make war with God's children. Now, ultimately, we know that Jesus Christ won the war. But in this life we do live, there's a continuous battle going on every day. And I don't think God's people pay attention to it. They don't realize the effect that it's having on their life. They're so entangled in the affairs of this life that they've lost sight of the Lord. And that includes themselves. Go read the first three or four verses out of 2 Timothy chapter 3. See if any of those apply to you in life. Like I said, we didn't get here by accident. Churches didn't draw down and become empty by accident. No, it's happened before. If you go read about the seven churches of Asia Minor, none of them exist today. The Lord said if they did not repent, he would remove the candlestick. And when God removes the candlestick, Jesus, the church may linger, but it will not last. If God is not blessing us, and, and our blessings are not dependent upon large numbers, I wish we had more folks in attendance. It's dependent upon God's blessing, on the power of Almighty God, whether we're sustained and go on. Are we pleasing the Lord? That should be our number one concern, not only in our, our getting together as a congregation, but in our daily lives, in everything that we do. The days are evil. We're, we're really fighting a, Bible, a battle. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says, Redeeming the times, or redeeming, yeah, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Every day is full of evil. I, I used to tell folks, and I believe this with all my heart, if you want to see how evil is in your life, you can't get away from it. Go out on a good clear night and, and gaze into the heavens and look at the bright stars out there. They're shining and illuminating brightly, and they're completely surrounded by darkness. That's how you are as God's children in this world. You can't get away from the evil and the darkness in this world. There's coming a day that it won't be a part of our lives. But in the life we hear and live now, 
It's there and it's real. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize the effect it's having or may have had. You know, I'm thankful that we're still, we still got enough folks wanting to come to, together and to assemble themselves to have the worship service that God has commanded us to have. I'm thankful. But as time goes on, who knows if that'll last? And why is it that way? There's a reason. It's not an accident. It happened before. I told you of those seven churches of Asia Minor. I have no doubt that those churches, that you can go look for them today, they don't exist. There's a problem that we have. There's a warfare going on. We're told in 1 John chapter 5 that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. When people start telling you that some type of sin is okay and we need to accept it, Friends, we do never condone sin. None of it. And sin that was sin uh, uh, when God first wrote the Ten Commandments or back at the very beginning is sin today. It hadn't changed. We know what the Lord said also in Romans chapter 1 when it comes to those who uh, were given over to a reprobate mind, done those things that were not natural. This was in opposition to God's word just like everything else. I'm not lifting them up to be a worse sin, but I'm just telling you there are folks who tell you that is not sin. Even folks that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. But that's totally and completely against the word of God. That's against God's truth. No matter how much you like it or dislike it, it is the truth according to thus saith the Lord. And that is our concern. So, so what's happened? You know, it's hard to understand the weapons that we are equipped with that are to we'll go to battle with, if you would, in this war that we cannot see, that we have every day of our life. You wake up every morning to battle Satan. He's always there. You know, there may be times in your life the battle is greater, but the battle's there. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? You know, 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Are we fighting that fight? Are we kidding ourselves? And I talk about each one of us. I'm not here to to condemn anyone. I'm here to tell you that we have an adversary, a foe out there, that that is going to attack our weaknesses every opportunity that he has. Every one of them. What did Paul say? We're going to go to... Ephesians chapter 6, and, and very look, look at some of these weapons. He told us over there, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning that the weapons of a fleshly war, which is the wars you and I know of in this life that we now live, that we've seen and read about on TV, the weapons are not those type of weapons. They're weapons that are mighty through almighty God to the bringing down of strongholds. They're mighty through God. I ask us today, and I ask myself that, are we using those weapons? You know, talking about truth, and that's one of them. I was talking to my wife this morning, and we was talking about reproof. You know, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for instruction that God gives for reproof. You know what proof is? It's conviction, the error of our ways. God's Word has that ability and that power. 
But also, if you go to Proverbs, you're going to find out at times we're to reprove folks. But you know where we get to in the life we're living right now? You mean you're going to tell me I'm doing something wrong and you're better than me, so I'm not, you know. That, that's where we're at. You're not perfect. No, none of us are. If you love someone, you need to reprove them. You know, it's a lot easier to reprove, reprove your kids when they're 10 years old than when they're 25 or 30 and grown out of your house. You know, they don't want to listen to you. That's the times we live in. I can't tell you what they were like thousands of years ago when it was penned, but this is a doctrinal truth that's profitable for us. Profitable. When you're wrong, you ought to be told you're wrong in a loving way. Even though you're not perfect. But you know, Satan's there to help you along. You can't say anything about this fella because you ain't perfect and you ain't this and you ain't that. Satan's always there. He, he, he's an adversary that is real. He is real. It says, for we wrestle not. We talked about that war that's not against flesh. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, this past year or two, and I'm not, I'm not knocking this at all. I've done a little bit of it. They've sold more guns in this country. They've sold more ammunition in this country than they have in, in any prior year, from what I understand. But I can tell you right now, I don't care how many bullets you've got and how many guns you've got stored over there, the enemy that we fight with every day, you're not going to get rid of him with those carnal weapons. You're just not. It's going to take the power of God. He said to put on the whole armor of God. But before that, he says, finally, brethren, and that's, that's children of God. Paul is speaking to children of God in the church at Ephesus, just like he's speaking to you and I today, the Lord is. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When we see evil being manifested as openly today as it is, maybe more openly today than I've ever seen it in my lifetime, understand something. We're not going to rid the world of, it, of this if we ever even, if it, if it goes away or if it's judged or brought, brought to where it ought to be, it's going to be by the power of God. Almighty God, it takes Him. It's through the, the, uh, God that, that we bring down these strongholds. It's not through our own strength. It's not through carnal weapons. He says in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're fighting a war, brothers and sisters, whether you know it or not. Every morning you get up. Are you prepared to fight that war? When you go to work, when you go to see someone, when you go to your family, when you, your actions are, are, are they in accordance and in harmony with the teachings of God's word? The wiles of the devil are real. Notice down in verse 16, it talks about those who are wicked, who, those who have the ways of the devil. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Quench means to extinguish, like a fire extinguisher or water hose. And they, these fiery darts are like fire being shot at us. Do we realize that? I ask you this. We all know about carnal warfare, at least to some extent. If you went to boot camp, 
and you were fixing to be sent overseas to fight in a war, would you not do everything you could to prepare to stand, prepare yourself to try to live through that war? Would you not take every weapon you had to fight the enemy? Everything that you were given by the military, would you not use that? I mean, that doesn't guarantee your life. You need the Lord's help. But my point is, would, would you not prepare yourself for battle in a conventional war the every best way you knew how? My question is, this unseen enemy that's doing so much damage in our lives, I believe is fighting against an army that's not preparing themselves every day with the weapons that God has given them. That includes me. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to stand up in an all-righteous position and say, oh, I've done it right. We've all got room to grow. We've all got uh, room to do better. There are none of us perfect. None of us. But the Word of God ought to reprove us in that area. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle, wrestle not with flesh and blood. In verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Notice there it didn't say pick out what you want. Use what, what's available to you or what's convenient. It says put on, take the whole armor of God with you. When you get up to go out in life, are you taking the whole armor of God? Are you taking all the weapons that God has for you? The enemy's there. I'll assure you if you were drafted into the army or you volunteered for the natural army, I believe most folks in here would go prepared to battle in the best, most possible way they could. They'd take every weapon they had and every opportunity to, to keep their life, themselves alive. They'd, they'd do it every every mu a bit as much. But when it comes to our spiritual, spiritual well-being, do we fight? Do we, since we can't see that army, are we getting entangled in the affairs of this life and it's, it's causing us to not focus upon the, the true enemy out there? He's out there. He's out there every day. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand the evil day having done all to stand. Stand, that means to be prepared. That means do everything. Notice there where it says, have you done everything to fight this war and be prepared for this war? It's not a war after the flesh, but it's a real war. And it's been devastating upon, I believe, our young people and some of our old people. It's been very devastating. Satan's won a lot of battles in this country. Folks have been entangled in the affairs of this life. And the war of our warfare has not been what it should be. Are you pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ who chose you to be a soldier? You might say, well, God didn't choose me to be a soldier. If he chose you to live in heaven, he chose you to be a soldier. Did you know that? He didn't choose you to sit here and take a blind eye to what's going on. Even though this is nothing new. This has happened before. But it's written down. Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. We're to learn from what these others did. We're to learn from the things that were done wrong that we might not repeat those things. It doesn't seem like we learn a whole lot, but that's the reason they're there. They're there for our profit, for our benefit, that we might not go down the same road. 
It says that you may be able to withstand the evil day having done all to stand. Boy, that's a, that's a tremendous verse there when it said to take all the armor of God with you. Have you done all that you need to do to stand against the wiles of the devil? Against the fierce, fierce darts, fiery darts, excuse me, of the wicked. Have you done all that you can do to stand? It says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with the truth. Think about that for just a minute. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Truth is important. All truth is important. You know, sometimes you get caught up in about the truth about eternal salvation, and that is truth that we'll never depart from, but all truth is important. In the first chapter of Ephesians, 13th verse, says in verse 12 that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. To have your loins girt about with the truth is to read God's word, it is to study God's word, it is to know the truth when situations and circumstances are presented to each and every one of us every day of our life. You know, we're told over in the 12th chapter of Romans, recompense to no evil to no man for evil. In other words, because somebody done an evil thing to you in your life, you're not to go and recompense evil to them. That's the natural way, isn't it? An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We want to give them what they got coming. We sure don't want the Lord to give us what we got coming, do we? But we want to give our brothers and sisters, our neighbors and our friends that done us wrong, we want them to get their due what they deserve. But it, because it is written, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I'll repay. You see, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, they're different. They're mighty through God. They're mighty through God. But one of them is to have your loins girt about with the truth. I cannot emphasize how important the truth is. We're living in a day now that the, there's less truth being exposed than I've ever seen. Bible tells us that Satan is the father of lies and he was a liar from the beginning. That's opposite of the truth. That's a warfare that we've been fighting just like righteousness and unrighteousness, light and darkness, good and evil. It's real. And we need to hear God's word, we need to study God's word, and we need to abide in God's word, have our loins girt about with the truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Let's notice what it says over in Isaiah 52. I believe it is. If I can find it. Lost my position. It talks, talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Christ did. And you and I need to put on that. You know, truth and righteousness go hand in hand, do they not? 
That means when you put on the breastplate of righteousness, it means to do that that is right under all circumstances. When Paul said to recompense to no man evil for evil, you can only do that if you were in the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate. It's hard sometimes to do what is right when somebody's doing wrong unto you. It's hard to forgive someone when they've offended you. But yet the Bible says we're to forgive. And we're to forgive. And we're to forgive on and on and on. We're not to stick it in our back pocket and use it against them at a later time when they don't live up to something that we expected them to live up to. That's not forgiveness. Aren't you thankful that God put your sins away as far as the east is from the west? Did you know if you started going east, you'll never ever go west? Go around this earth east. When you come back around to this point where you started here where this church is, you'll still be going east. It's, a, it's an eternal, infinite number. God put your sins that far away as the east is from the west. He's told us in Hebrews chapter 5 or 8, I says, I'll be merciful unto their sins. And he says, I'll, I'll remember them no more. I'll remember them no more. We have a problem sometimes of remembering. When you put on the breastplate of righteousness, you'll forget, give those sins. You'll forget them, not just forgive them. Little children do that. That's why the Bible talks so much about a little child. You can spank them, they can get mad at their friends, and a little of no time it's forgotten. But we grow up into adults and know something about it, and we have a hard time doing that. It says in verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith. Are you fighting the good fight of faith? Are you waking up prepared? We need to. Verse 15, and your feet, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, this day and time, or for many years, most people shod their horses, put horseshoes on them. This talks about putting on the gospel of peace. How do you put on the gospel of peace? You read it, you study it, you understand the warfare that's going on in your life. This is a real war. Maybe, maybe you have problems listening to the Word of God. Maybe you have problems reading the Word of God. It's because you're not preparing yourself for the enemy every day. He's, he's in your life. You're too tired. You don't need to do that. You don't, you don't deserve to have to do that. These, these are weapons of warfare that Satan uses against us. Do you have your feet shod or have you put on the gospel of peace? Where you can stand against the fiery darts of the wicked or the wiles of the devil. No matter how old you are, how young you are, those things are out there. You have to contend with those things. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God's Word is powerful. Notice what God's Word can do to you and I, as is explained in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even unto 
the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and in the intents of the heart. If we read God's word and take God's word as the spirit of the sword in our lives, we'll have information there that will help us to fight against this adversary every day because he's going to be out there, out there every day. The war we're warring after doesn't go away. It doesn't come once a week, once a year, once a month. It's every day. Sometimes the battle may be more fierce at different times, more heated, you might say, just as it is in a natural war. But I tell you, when you go to war conventionally, after the flesh, or in the flesh, you prepare for it. You prepare for it. You draw up plans. You know where to land. You know what to do. You got people. That's what the Word of God does for us. It teaches us to prepare ourselves every day for Satan. I ask you, are you preparing every day for Satan? For the war that's going on? Verse 18, and we're going to close with this verse this morning. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We need to be prayerful and seriously prayerful for our nation, not only for ourselves and our own personal families, but for our brothers and sisters, for God's people, wherever they might be. Perseverance, that's the only place that word is used in the Bible. And we're to persevere in prayer. There's other weapons that are not mentioned here that I want to look at one day because they're, they're spoken of by Jesus Christ himself, and one of them is fasting. But friends, we're to pray. Be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer is a weapon, and it's one that's easy disposable. It's, your, it's, it's right there in front of you. Anytime you want to go to the Lord, he's there and he's available. He'll hear you. Some people talk about them taking prayer out of school. And prayer out of, I don't like that either, but I'm going to tell you, there's no one can stop you from praying. There's no man alive that can stop you from praying. You can pray unto God anytime, and God said he'll hear your prayer. He may not always answer the prayer the way you want it, but God says he'll hear the prayer of his people. You don't have to say a prayer out loud to pray. You know that. God knows the thoughts of your heart are far away. He knows the words that are on the tip of your tongue. If you don't believe that, read Psalms 139. That is the God that we serve. I encourage you today because even though things have changed a lot in this country and I believe evil is being manifested, you shouldn't lose hope because we have a God that can do above and beyond what we even think or ask. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. There's not. And your efforts to fight in this battle the Lord will see those efforts. I believe the Lord can reward us for our efforts. But we need to understand that the enemy's real. He's real. He's there every day. He wants to get you off track. He wants you to think more of yourself than you think of the Lord. He doesn't want you to think of others. He doesn't want you to pray. He'll do everything he can to distract you from the ways of God. And if you're not prepared with the gospel of peace, if you're not having your loins girt about with the truth, 
If you're not praying without ceasing and praying for everyone else, we can't expect to God to bring down these strongholds. They're mighty through God to the bringing down the strongholds. They're not carnal weapons, but they're powerful weapons. God says they are. And they're available for you and I to use. question is, are we using them? Have we done all that we can do to stand in this war that's taking place that goes on every day of your life? May God bless us to do so. We're told that if we do what the Lord would, would have us to do, he, he, He's a diligent rewarder of those who are doers and not just hearers of His word. You know, I don't, we want our grandchildren, we want our children to enjoy the great blessings and liberty, freedom to worship that we've had. We need to be in prayer. We need to have the truth girt about in our loins. We need to put on the gospel just like you put on a pair of shoes every morning. The gospel of peace. They're not your natural, typical warfare weapons, but they're the weapons that God calls on us to use. And when we do, I think the Lord will bless us.